This episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling is sponsored by Blue Chew. Let's talk about something we could all use more of right now. Yeah, that's right. Sex. Great sex. Guys, now you can increase your performance and get extra confidence in the bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com is the place to go. That's right. Blue. Like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. If you could benefit from more confidence, right where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free. That's right. When you use the promo code EMPIRE, you pay just $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, the promo code EMPIRE, to try it for free. That's right. BlueChew.com. Use the promo code Empire. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hi, folks. I'm WWE Hall of Famer Hacksaw and Doug. If you'd like hearing knock-knock jokes or jokes about your grandmother, go somewhere else! Oh! Oh, my God! This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Cody Rhodes, and you are listening to two-man power trip. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. This is a uh, special visitor to hardcore legend, Mick Foley. It was a very rough feud to go through with Rick. It was a very bitter feud, too. He certainly didn't like me at that time. I didn't like him, and we were both trying to be at the top. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't beat me. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. At this point, well, I'll be at a signing, and little kids will come up to me and throw up the click sign or talk about, oh, your ladder match with Sean at WrestleMania 10. I go, wait a minute, you weren't even a glimmer in your dad's eye. But yeah, bro, it's really flattering and, and amazing and humbling. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Monday Night Raw. Listen up, listen up. To another edition of the Heartbreak Hotel, where you can hang with the two hippest, hoppinest cats in all of the World Wrestling Federation, Big Daddy Cool Diesel, and yours truly, the HB Kid, Shawn Michaels, your World Wrestling Federation tag team champ. Oh. <laughs> you know what, that lamp the is cool. Ladies and gentlemen, the heartbreak kid and Big Daddy Cool All right, listen up, love Big. practical jokes as much as the next guy. Am I right, big man? Correct you are, sir, yes. Thank you very much. But what's been going on lately between Jerry the King Lawler That's me. and Doink the Clown is even getting a little out of hand even for the new generation of the World Wrestling Federation. So, right here on the Heartbreak Hotel, we're gonna nip this thing in the butt. Good, great. So I'd like to bring out my guests at this time, Doink the Clown oh. and his little buddies, Dink and Wink. Ugly 
they're dumber than one clown. Uh, I think you're going to tell us. Three clowns. Uh-huh. Look at that. Doink, dink, and wink. A lot's been going on lately, as everybody knows. Oh, wait a minute, I think... Hey, hey! Between I think you, that... Joint the Clown, that's Dink. and Jerry the King Lawler. That's Wink. That's Stink. Now, as we know, you have got your little sidekick. These guys are having some fun, All huh? All right, Santa Claus gave him to me. Right, Santa Claus gave him to you. He's my present. <laughs> right, okay, now... Jerry the King Lawler decided he'd had enough of your antics, so he decided to even things up a little bit and introduced to the World Wrestling Federation, Queasy. Right. That's right, Queasy. Now, you couldn't just let it lie at that now, because you know, no, you had to take it another step farther. So now, we've got Dink, Wink, Queasy and Sleazy. I think we're going to need a scorecard for this. Would uh, they stand still? The clown. <laughs> this is even a little out of hand, even for a clown like you. <laughs> hey, guys. hey, guys, calm down a minute. Can we right? be nervous with those little runts? Oh, your majesty. <laughs> what? Hey, uh, Kingy. Oh, I got a surprise this. for you. I like it when he calls you Kingy. You know what it is? What? Uh, no, as a matter of fact, I don't have any idea, and we don't like surprises oh. here on the Heartbreak Hotel. Well, I want to tell you, right here on the Heartbreak Hotel, you, you know what it is? It's, it's pink. Pink. That's right. What's what? Pink. What's what? Pink? I got it, I got it. What? You're saying no. No, 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 please, no, no there's you not another one. Hey. of a wrestling and this is the flagship episode of part of the tmpt empire i am your host jp john paz and on today's podcast is none other than the former wwf superstar ray apollo aka doink the clown yes finally getting doink on the show quite a show it was too i love going back and talking about that new generation era of the wwf the good old days in the World Wrestling Federation. And of course, today's episode is brought to you by ESS Promotions, which will have a doink and dink part of a huge day, August 29th. Starting out, Monty and the Pharaoh will be doing a Q&A from 3 to 4 p.m. Check them out at montyandthepharaoh.com. You can also check out esspromotions.com. There will be a virtual signing at 6 p.m. as well. So check out Monty and the Pharaoh on Facebook Live. And you can, of course, check out Eric Sims on Facebook Live as well. Also, just to throw this out there, they will be doing a signing that day at Wrestling Universe from 10 to 12 p.m. in Flushing, New York. Doink and Dink will be in the house. Also, an extra added bonus, an extra added treat. It will be a free signing. So, really, you want to head on over to Wrestling Universe on August 29th and meet Doink and Dink, the clowns. So, really, in this interview today, we really kind of focus in on the WWF. And like I said, that new generation era, that time period. We talk about Vince McMahon and his debut who brought him in, and of course, the head of talent relations at that point was J.J. Dillon, and kind of what his role was 
in replacing Matt Bourne, who was playing the evil doink at that point. And he had some differences with The Office, and they wanted to go in a different direction with the character. Matt Bourne obviously played more of the heel, and when Ray comes in, he plays more of the baby-faced doink that Vince was looking for at that time. So they're going to take a different direction with the character and, and go their own way. They're going to wrestle differently. They're going to have a different personality, a different character. It's really going to go in a completely different direction than originally the character was portrayed as and so Ray's direction is obviously like I mentioned more of a babyface even though throughout his career he had mostly been a villain or a heel beforehand so this was a new and exciting for Ray and is a really kind of a, a cool era in WWF and definitely a, a different era as they get away from the Hulk Hogan era and enter into more of the Bret Hart era so no more it would Hogan well, Randy Savage is there for a little bit, but you, you, Hogan is gone. Savage is kind of fading out, and really, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and Diesel and Yokozuna are becoming the big stars of the day. So, we talk about WrestleMania 10, the feud with Bam Bam Bigelow, obviously adding in Dink to the fray, and then Doink and Dink versus Luna and Bam Bam at WrestleMania 10 at Master Square Garden, and what it meant to him to be working at MSG and being a part of that huge show, because everybody who, anybody in wrestling, wants to work at MSG and be a part of that awesome crowd at Master Square Garden in the heart of New York City. It is known as the best arena, but like he mentions, he's wrestled in the Tokyo Egg Dome, he's wrestled in Royal Albert Hall, he's been in the Astrodome, a part of the gimmick Battle Royal WrestleMania 17, but nothing compares to WrestleMania in Madison Square Garden. So we're going to run through a lot of different things in his career. We will run through WCW and Starcade and playing Sergeant Kruger alongside Colonel DeClerc wrestling the Steiner Brothers. And we'll be talking just a little bit about some other things throughout his career as well. You know, with his time in New Japan Pro Wrestling and really kind of just break down a lot of the great matches he had as Doink, which is really, like I said, is the focus of the interview. Talk about some great matches with Bob Backlund, Owen Hart, IRS, Jeff Jarrett, King Kong Bundy, and of course, like I, we mentioned uh, before, Bam Bam Bigelow. So, without any uh, further ado, I want to send it on over to some TMPT business and then send it on over to the interview, but also want to mention a part of the TMPT Empire, which is tmptempire.com. We've got a boatload of other podcasts available. We have Rick Bassman's Talking Tough, which is available on the Podcast One Network. We have Dutch Mantel's University of Dutch, which is available on the MLW Radio Network. We have Dr. Tom's Taking You to School, which is available on our feed, the TMPT feed. We have Shane Douglas's Triple Threat Podcast, which is available on Vince Russo's The Brand. We also have Just Incredible's Pro Wrestling 101, which is available on Vince Russo's YouTube. I highly recommend checking that one out. And last and certainly not least, we have none other than the Taskmaster Talks with Kevin Sullivan on the Creative Control Network. So without any further ado, I send it on over to the former WWF superstar, Ray Apollo, a.k.a. Doink the Clown. And now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Two Man Power Trip, and at Razzlin Pal. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. We would love to hear your feedback. Check out the feed for awesome past episodes, including Bruno San Martino, Sean Mike, Dusty Rhodes, Jerry Lawler, Terry Funk, Goldberg, Ray Mysterio Jr., Arn Anderson, and Glenn Kane Jacobs, and so many more. While you're on the web, visit ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. Visit our store, visit J.J. Dillon's store, Francine's store, and of course, the franchise Shane Douglas' store. For all you Android users out there, find us on Google Play and Player FM. For all you iOS users, check us out on TuneIn Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podomatic, and now Stitcher. And of course, check out the Empire. Yes, that is the TMPT Empire now. TMPTEmpire.com for all the latest and greatest on the two-man power trip of wrestling.
Insight. Joining us on the line right now is a former WWF superstar. You may know him as Ray Apollo or even Sergeant Kruger from the old NWA days. He is, of course, Doink the Clown. Doink, welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Ray, how you doing? Well, it's great. Great to hear you guys. Nice to be on. Now, obviously, you know, what we're here to promote today is a big, big day and a big weekend, August 29th. For ESS Promotions, a.k.a. Eric Sims, I mean, it's going to be a very, very jam-packed day and a busy day with uh, Doink and Dink. Of course, you'll be at Monty and the Pharaoh doing a Q&A. You can check them out, of course, on Facebook. And then you'll be doing a, a virtual signing, a Facebook Live as well. And then you'll also be at the Wrestling Universe in Queens, New York from 10 to 12. And that'll be alongside Dink and Al Snow. So what are your thoughts coming up in, in the big weekend on the uh, 29th? Coming back to the Northeast. Well, it's going to be almost like the old days. We'll be going all day. Probably be a 14, 16-hour day. And uh, I actually look forward to it. It'll be good to see a lot of the fans. And I'll get to see Al Snow. I haven't seen him in, oh, man, at least 15 years. So it'll be nice to see that. And, of course, my partner get to see uh, Claude, <laughs> a.k.a. Dink. And uh, it, it'll be fun. It'll be a, it should be an exciting day. And, of course, you know, with uh, ESS Promotions, you can check them out at ESSPromotions.com. You can check out them on Facebook as well, get even more information. And, obviously, Monty and the Pharaoh, you'd be doing a virtual signing. I don't know, have you, have you seen these virtual signings, these Facebook Lives? It's so interactive, and, and it's so cool, and it's so different. It's nothing that we've seen before. But, of course, you know, wrestling promoters, they think of everything. So have you been seeing much of these virtual signings? No, I haven't. You know, I'm from the old school. You know, we didn't have all of that stuff back then. Everything we did was, you know, live and in person. And uh, but you know, it always keeps evolving and reinventing itself. And you know, guys like Eric Sims are always going to come up with something new to keep the fans' interest. And of course, now that we have the situation with the with, with the the China virus, as some of the people call it, mm. uh, they have to come up with new and inventive ways for the, uh, for the fans still to stay active with the, with some of the wrestlers. Now, do you love kind of coming, especially cause this is going to be in Long Island and obviously in, in Queens, New York, you love the Northeast crowd cause it seems to be the, you know, the WWF hotbed. Oh yeah. I mean, well, you know, not for nothing, the, um, the offices in Stanford and uh, this was always, even back in the old territory days from uh from Baltimore to Maine, as far out as, you know, uh, Pittsburgh, this was always what we used to call the Golden Coast. This was always a, a really good spot. The fans here are smart. The fans are educated. So uh, they know a good product when they see it. And just about everybody, just about everybody, who was anybody, seemed to make it through New York at one time or another. Damn right, yeah, for for sure. And with this virtual signing, it'll not just be, obviously, with the, the Northeast. It'll be fans from all over the place, but it's really cool because they can see you, they can talk to you, they can converse with you, but obviously it's through the computer because of the virus and everything else. It's definitely a new and inventive way to communicate with the fans, and it's cool because they could see you signing the autograph, you know, personalizing it and stuff. So it's, it's definitely really cool and unique because you can speak to each fan individually as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly does cut down on the airplane rides that we used to have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, for a guy in the, or a girl in Texas or California or Minnesota to, to get face-to-face with me and have an autograph or do something, you know, it usually was at least two airplane rides <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, and a hotel and everything else. And now we can just do it on a computer without uh, inconvenience in anybody. Now, what have you been up to? Have you been, obviously, you know, before uh, COVID and, and the pandemic, have you been out there much? Or do you do a lot? Do you, you keep uh, relevant as far as staying out there for the fans? Well, I mean, uh, you know, through Eric Sims and some promoters, I uh, I, I still do, uh, you know, the autograph signings and, uh, like, phone calls and things like this. And, uh, I mean, my days in the ring are over. I, I won't go back in the box anymore. I'm done with that. But um, I still I still like uh, interacting with the people. Now I think everybody like obviously you're going to be with um, 
Dink and, and Doink and Dink. I think so many people remember you as Doink the Clown from the WWF days. How did that happen? How did that all come about, like with with the WWF and Vince McMahon? So, how did the debut kind of come about of, of you playing Doink the Clown? Well, it's really pretty simple. I mean, um, uh, the fellow who started it was uh, Matthew Osborne, Matt Bourne. And uh, as everybody knows, he passed away. Um, him and uh, the office had their differences of opinion, and they went their separate ways. And, uh, you know, the, the office wanted this character to go in a different direction. And I was approached by by Vince. And at that time, you know, his, uh, his talent relations guy was J.J. Dillon. And uh, I went up for an interview, and we had a, a meeting, and uh, that's how I got the job. And then as time went on, uh, you know, Dink came into the picture, and that's how Doink and Dink were formed. So really, when they when they find you and you make your debut as Doink, the different direction would be that they wanted a babyface, really, to play the character instead of the evil clown that Matt Bourne was playing as Doink? Well, I mean, I don't. I never got into the uh, idiosyncrasies of why, you know, uh, Matt and Vince went their separate ways and why they came looking for me. And you know, uh, the job was offered to me, and you know, they had said that they were parting ways with Matt. So, you know, I didn't really get involved in other people's business. I just, you know, said okay, I'll try it, see if I like it, and I tried it, and they, you know, we we got along, and I took the job. And that's that's the truth. That's how it happened. So when you're you know approached and, and you're going to play the character doing, do you ever look back at what Matt Bourne was doing and say, okay, I want to do this differently, or, or do you approach the character how you want to approach it? Are you collaborating with Vince at this point? Like, how did the character kind of form into the way you wanted it to be? Well, you know, it's like anything else. I mean, every one of us guys that wrestle has his own personality, and Vince basically showed me the character and showed me what, you know, what the character, what direction they wanted it to go in. And then he let me do what I wanted pretty much. I mean, um, they're not going to, you know, stand there and hold your hand and tell you, do this, do that, do this, do that, because that's not going to ever work. You got to be your own, your own talent once you climb in the ring and you have to put your own spin on it. Otherwise I think the fans would just see right through it anyway. Now, did you kind of like playing the babyface with this character? Because obviously, you know, Matt Bourne was, was playing like the evil villain, the, the scary clown. Did you like the way you, kind of you were portraying the character, more babyface? Obviously, the crowd loved you. Well, yeah. I mean, up until that point, most of my career, I was always a villain, you know. I mean, I never really was too much of a of, of a face. I, I pretty much worked my whole life as a, as, as, as a villain, and uh, when I got that opportunity, to me, it was uh, something new and exciting. It actually, you know, got me got me going. I, I really, I really liked it. What were your thoughts of when they threw you in there with a guy like Bam Bam Bigelow for a feud? You know, uh, I know we're both Jersey guys, so we know uh, Bam Bam very, very well. He's a big legend. But what did you think about working with Bam Bam Bigelow? Well, listen, uh, Scott was one of the best talents best big man talents ever to put on a pair of tights. I mean, he was really, truly something special. I mean, he moved around like he was, you know, half his size. He was, uh, he was great. But I mean, you got to remember, he's a big man. I mean, that guy was 400 pounds and, you know, to be in there with people like him, you know, I mean, you know, like another guy, you know, uh, Bundy, Chris Belayas, you know, I mean, these guys were all, 400 to 400 plus. I mean, they were big men and, you know, I was never that size. I mean, but, uh, you know, they, they were, they were great wrestlers. They were great talent. I mean, and, you know, uh, Bam Bam was just, in my opinion, he was a freak of nature, the talent that he had for the size that he was. That's, and he was a real good amateur. I mean, he was a good amateur wrestler. You know, he could wrestle, you know, amateur stuff. So, I mean, the guy really could move around, for, especially for a guy that big. What were your thoughts when they pair you? You mentioned, obviously, you know, you're going to be at these signings with Dink and, and, and being 
associated with him. What were your thoughts when they give you a dink? Were you like, oh, you know, I don't know if this is going to work, or were you like, this is, you know, this is a great idea? Well, you know, anytime you get an opportunity like that, I think you've got to make the most of it, go into it with an open mind. I mean, I never, I never had a manager before. <laughs> and I certainly never had a little manager. You know? <laughs> I didn't know how this thing was going to work out. I didn't know if it was going to work out. I didn't, I had no preconcept of what was going to happen. I just figured, well, you know, it, it's an option play. I'm going around the outside. They just threw me the football. Let's see how many yards we can get out of this thing. And that's, that was the attitude I had. The, Big, you know, feature match or one of the feature matches for WrestleMania 10 was you and Dink versus Bam Bam Bigelow and Luna. I was there at WrestleMania 10, uh, one of my favorite uh, live shows of all time, of course. Great, great show. I mean, you guys take a loss, but that's neither here nor there. What are your thoughts of wrestling in Madison Square Garden and being a part of a feature match or part of WrestleMania 10? Well, you know, first of all, every kid that plays baseball wants to play in Yankee Stadium. And every kid that ever wrestles wants to be in Madison Square Garden because there's only one of those, you know. I mean, you can wrestle in all different arenas around the, around the world, around the country, bigger venues. I mean, you know, WrestleMania 17 was the Astrodome. And, you know, I mean, I was in the Tokyo Egg Dome and Royal Albert Hall. And, but there's only one Madison Square Garden. And, you know, so many people hold that as a pinnacle. You know, when you make it to the garden, you made it. Yes, uh, definitely. And, you know, part of the WrestleMania 17, that gimmick Battle Royal, they kind of brought you back to that. You mentioned the, the Astrodome. Was that a, a cool thing that, you know, being brought back and being put in that gimmick Battle Royal showing, you know, like, hey, you know, nobody forgot about me. I'm, I'm still out there. I'm still doing the clown. Yeah, that was uh, it was great because I was in there with all my old friends, you know. <laughs> it was a it was a heck of a good time, you know, and you could see the, the passing of the torch with the at that time, you know, it was Stone Cold and The Rock. And, you know, there was so many guys that were coming up, moving along. And, you know, we, we were, like, basically passing the tour. It was nice for them to bring us all back. They didn't forget us, you know. Yep. And a lot of the guys said easy payday. You know, you just get in there for that gimmick battle royal, get a nice pop, easy payday. Yeah, it was, it was good. You know, I mean, like anything else, you never get into it. Anybody never gets into a, a, a sport get all the way up to the top because they just want money because you'll never make it. I mean, anybody that's playing football, baseball, basketball, and they make it to the, you know, the NFL, the NBA, whatever, Major League Baseball or hockey, those guys really love it, you know, and you'll never, you'll never make it anywhere if you're just looking for a payday in the beginning. That just, that's like the perk that comes at the end of it. I mean, you know, when I first started wrestling, I would have wrestled for free. I didn't care. I just loved doing it. I would have done it every day. I just loved wrestling. I loved it. I wanted to do it. And, you know, the money that came along was fine. Yeah, and that's kind of a, a great attitude. You were, uh, you know, you were a big fan, right? I mean, you, 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 yeah. liked, you just like wrestling. You love being a part of the business. Oh, I, I grew up watching it. And, you know, when I was a kid, we, we didn't have all cable TV and everything. We just had you know, maybe a handful of channels and it'd come on at midnight and I'd watch, you know, uh, uh, Bruno and uh, Killer Kowalski and Dominic and, you know, so many of the guys. And then when I started out, I, I was walking into the locker room and they were there, you know, and Pedro Morales and Mike Cicluna and Dominic and, you know, all these, yeah, Davey O'Hannon. And I'm going, geez, these guys, I used to watch, I didn't, I didn't dare tell them. I used to watch them when I was a kid. They might have beat the hell out of me because I was going cold. So I didn't do that. But uh, deep down inside, you know, when I'd get out of the building, I'd run over because we didn't have cell phones. I'd get to a pay phone and I'd call my father and say, you know, I wrestled uh, Bulldog Brower tonight or, you know, Mike Cicluna. And, you know, the first couple times I called, my father didn't believe me. He thought I was just, you know, making it up and, and finally, he came to the Embassy Theater in North Bergen, and uh, I had a match, and, you know, he came, and he said, yeah, I guess he really does know all these guys. <laughs> he finally believed it then because he actually saw it, you know? But, uh, yeah, and that's an awesome connection to have with your dad. I know when uh, we were growing up very, very young, actually, probably a little, maybe even uh, 
even very, very little kids. My dad used to sell insurance to Pedro Morales, and that was our claim to fame as a kid. So, I, yeah, I know that feeling. That's great. Yeah, and here you go. Now you're, now you're in the dressing room, you know, and in walks like Bruno San Martino. That's like Babe Ruth walking into the dugout, man. You know? mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and you're in, and you're in the dugout. So you know that's that's cool, you know. And, but you know you don't, you kind of like don't let on because you don't, you don't really know where you fit in or if you fit in yet. You know those the old timers were, uh, they were pretty uh, strict. You didn't uh, didn't speak out of turn, and you know you opened your eyes and ears and just listened. Which is great. And as far as, you know, playing Doing the Clown and, and being Doing the Clown, do you ever get people saying like, oh, you know, oh, you were the fake Doing the, you know, the real Doing was Matt Bourne, but really you played the character twice as long as he did. So, I mean, you're more Doink than he was. Do you ever get people saying that to you? Like, oh, he's Doink. Well, I mean, I get, uh, listen, I, I, I respect everybody's opinion. Some people would say to me, well, you know, uh, Matt was much better at it than you and, other people would say to me, oh, well, I like you much better than him. And, you know, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. And, uh, you know, far be it for me to tell somebody what they should think or do. I mean, it's America. You know, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. And the, for the fans that liked me better, I say thank you very much, you know. For the fans that like Matt better, I respect their opinion. That's fine. And you did have a nice, you know, nice two-year run, basically 94, 95. Overall, what were your thoughts on your time in, in the WWF? Well, when I was there, it was going through a big transition, you know. I mean, the company was just going through that uh, big steroid scandal, scandal with Vince and Hogan and all that stuff. And, you know, uh, uh, Randy had just come back to the company. And, uh, you know, I, I started there in 93. And, uh, you know, things went on. And it, you could really see the evolution taking place. It was getting bigger and bigger and you know they they had started all the in your houses and uh the other um uh pay-per-views it wasn't just wrestlemania anymore you know so um it was uh it, it was it was pretty cool to watch it all unfold and to be part of it yeah and you were a big part of the the new generation era the new era that was coming in which of course you know they called the new generation with guys like bret hart and Shawn michaels kind of bleeding the way it was definitely a, a transition period, right, to say the least. Like you were saying, it's a big transition period to go from the Hulksters of the world to the Bret Hart's and the Shawn Michaels. Oh, oh, definitely. I mean, you know, like I said, any time you have – every one of them is a different personality, you know. And, and uh, you know, some fans will say, well, you know, Hogan and, and Randy, they were, you know, my favorites and they'll never be as good. And then you get other people that say, well, Bret and Shawn were my favorites and they'll never be as good. And, you know, so, I mean, everybody's entitled to their own, um, you know, favorite era, favorite time. I, I got people that say to me, you know, you guys were, were no good. I love Bruno and, and Dominic and those, and, you know, and Haystacks Calhoun and that stuff. So, I, I mean, you know, everybody has their own favorite time, favorite stars, and, and, and that's, that's good because that's what, that's what keeps it exciting. Now, kind of just looking back to to that era and some of the matches that just stuck out to me was Survivor Series 94. That just is one of those things that uh, I think a lot of people will remember. The Jerry Lawler feud in Survivor Series 94, you know, you had his team of little guys and you had your team of little guys. Do you, you know, look back at that fondly for, like, the entertainment value or, like, oh, man, I wish it was, you know, maybe more of a serious match? Oh, no. I, I had absolutely had a ball with that. I mean, that was so much fun. I mean, how could, you know, I mean, why would you want that to be anything other than it was? You had a guy like a, uh, a clown, and you had another guy dressed up as a king, mm-hmm. and you had six little guys running around as jesters and clowns. And, I mean, that was just absolutely, absolutely fun. And the, 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 uh, the agent that was in charge of that match, <laughs> God rest his soul, one of my favorite people in the world was George Steele. So, I mean, you had George the Animal Steele as, an, as the agent, me as a clown, and uh, Jerry Lawler as a king, and six little guys. Would you want anything else to be entertaining more than that? <laughs> True. I mean, that is else, great. What else would you do? Throw a unicorn in? I don't know. I mean, that, that was pretty – I thought it was pretty entertaining. And I wouldn't change anything. I, I had a ball with it. 
for what it was. It was definitely very entertaining. Of course, the royal family, cheesy, queasy, a sleazy, and the king, Jerry Lawler. Yep. And they, they beat you guys who were clowns of rust, dink, pink, and wink. So, you know, very, it, you know, all, all in good fun, all in entertainment. Yeah. Um, and you and Lawler, obviously, uh, a great kind of feud where, where people were definitely into it. I mean, the crowd absolutely ate it up. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, every, every clown needs a straight man. I mean, and uh, who's better than him? Now, as far as you leaving WWF, and was that just time to go? You know, the contract is up. It's like, okay, you know, been here for a few years, ran my courses. It's just like time for the, the character to end and the character to, to kind of go away? Well, yeah, well, you're partially right. I mean, my contract was up, and, uh, you know, uh, the office and I didn't come to an agreement, and we, you know, so we just, uh, that was the end of it, you know? I mean, you kind of know when it's time to go. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I guess the, the last technical match, I guess, was against Dean Douglas, of all people, which is just an interesting, uh, you know, trivia tidbit. Um, he, he'd be gone not too long after as well, but it's just an interesting tidbit. That was the last WWF match that I could find. Oh, yeah, it, it very well could be. I mean, I don't actually remember which was my – because you got to remember, what you might be able to find might only be a uh, one on tape. It might mm-hmm. There might have been 50 house shows after that. You don't know. I mean, and be honest with you, I can't remember. So, I mean, I, I don't, I honestly don't remember. As far as, you know, playing Sergeant Kruger and being in WCW and being a part of Starcade and the Steiner Brothers, is, is that something you look fondly on? Or is it just really kind of, you know, maybe fans might forget about stuff like that and they kind of focus on doing you know, what's kind of your consensus on the other parts of your career away from Doink the Clown? Oh, well, uh, you know, Sergeant Kruger and uh, Colonel D. Colonel D. Clerk was uh, my partner, Ted Petty. You know, mm-hmm. he passed too, unfortunately. But uh, uh, Ted was a great guy. Ted was a, a real good, real good wrestler, good boxer. You know, Ted was a man's man, real nice guy to be around. You couldn't ask to be with a better guy in and out of the ring. Teddy was great. And I enjoyed every minute of the Sergeant Kruger thing. I mean, you know, he and I would, at that time, we were from South Africa and we had the apartheid thing going on. And everybody in the business knew what Teddy and I were and what we were all about. And they knew that that apartheid, you know, not really us, you know what I mean? And because uh, I have a lot of friends in that business who don't exactly look like me. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> But, uh, no, I I had a good time with that. I really didn't. You know, working with uh, Robert and Scotty, and, you know, in, in the Starcade, you know, and then Kamala and uh, I don't even remember who Kamala's partner was in, in the Clash of the Champions. But, you know, it, it was fun. I mean, I had a good time with it. Now, you know, I don't think you'd be able to pull off that gimmick uh, in, uh, in today's uh, world uh, for sure they would be uh, they would be all over they would hate it right I mean wouldn't be able to do that today I I don't know you know I mean uh, when you want to fill up buildings though it might work I mean you may have to get the National Guard to get the two guys in and out I don't know but um, you know it, it was a, it was certainly a, I had a a rough time a few times getting in and out of places <laughs> It was uh, it was exciting to say the least. Now you mentioned also wrestling in the uh, you know Tokyo Dome, the Tokyo Egg Dome, and being a part uh, of Japan. You were in New Japan Pro Wrestling for for a bit, right? How did how did that all come to fruition? Yeah, I uh, I was uh, I was home and uh, 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 Bam Bam was uh, uh, the champ over there at the time, and New New Japan was looking for some new and different talent and. Scott gave him some pictures and a little resume of me, and they invited me over for a tour, and, uh, you know, pretty much that's how it went. And I went back and forth a couple times, and that was that. Did you enjoy that style? Yeah. Me, I mean, I liked – I, you know, no one ever says Japan was okay. You either like it or you hate it. Me, I really liked it. You know what I mean? I liked the, I liked the culture. I liked the place. I liked the people. I liked I liked the way you know the matches were. I mean that was me. I mean I really enjoyed it. I liked it. As far as 
you know, some of your matches there, like Muda, Chono, Saito, I mean, these guys would be, you know, pretty big legends, and you got to team up with, like, Bandage Brown and Dr. Death. I mean, you were in there with, uh, you know, some of the, the greats. I mean, so the booking was was very nice for you as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I really liked my time over there. I liked it a lot. I, I had a good time when I was there, and like you just said, I was with, you know, uh, Bad News Brown and Steve Williams and uh, what do you, uh, Brad Rankins and Bam Bam. And I mean, I was with some really good, and then, you know, the Japanese guys were, were, were no, they weren't short on talent. You know, you had, like you said, Muda, Chono, Saito, you had Tenru. You had, you know, you had a lot of, uh, a lot of big talent over there. You know, a lot of, a, a lot of those guys were, they would have, Bill you know, Muda was here. He was a big star. When Saito was here, he was a big star. Mm-hmm. Those guys were, uh, not second to anybody, you know, they, they were, you know, when they named Muda, the great Muda, they, they named him right. <laughs> that, that cat was great. He really was. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, no doubt about that. When you actually kind of, you know, broke into the business, how did you kind of get in? Like who, who actually trained you when you broke in? I started off uh, in a little club in Jersey city with uh, uh Mike Masters, Rocky Jones, and uh, Jerry Fazio, and they had all learned from Johnny Rods. And then when I started getting into the business, I would put the ring up and take the ring down and pay my dues. And then I met, I got real lucky. I met Alpha and Sika, and they liked me. For whatever reason, those Samoans liked me, and that's where I really got polished up with Alpha. And, uh, you know, of course, all the kids, you know, uh, you know, Big Sam, Little Sam, and, uh, you know, Rodney, which is uh, Yoko, and, uh, you know, Junior uh, Fatu. And uh, mm-hmm. those, if you couldn't learn from all those guys, then you should just quit. <laughs> those, every one of those guys was a real good talent, you know, real good guy. And, you know, they'd get as rough as you wanted to. <laughs> if you wanted to be nice, they'd be nice. If you wanted to get rough, they'd oblige you. It <laughs> wasn't a problem. <laughs> Was it tough breaking in there? Because, you know, how they say that Johnny Rod style. I mean, he was, you know, no, no-nonsense style and obviously very, very tough. Was it tough breaking in at that point? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you were the new kid on the block, a lot of the old-timers would constantly test you, you know. I mean, uh, don't ever let anybody think that Johnny Rods was just the guy who lost matches because if you wanted to get cute, Johnny could uh, give you all you wanted and then a little bit more. He'd stretch you in a second. But I had some of the best matches I ever had in the business with Johnny. I mean, Johnny was just a machine in there. He was great. He really was. It was a lot of fun to be with him. You know, there was guys like that. You know, I could think of, you know, as my mind goes, I mean, guys that you could really, really have a lot of fun with. Now, as we start to wind it down and head towards the finish, you mentioned, you know, Johnny Rods and, and a couple of favorite matches, but who were some other kind of favorite matches and, and favorite opponents? I mean, off the top of my head, I can just remember you working uh, Jeff Jarrett quite a lot in the WWF, Owen Hart quite a bit. Uh, yep. Did you have some favorite matches and uh, some favorite opponents in your career? Well, I mean, Owen, Owen was talented-wise, you know, as far as, you know, wrestling, there's nobody better. He was great. And he was a lot of fun to be around. I really liked him. And, uh, you know, Mike Rotunda was another one, IRS. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he was just, you know, he was a machine. He was just absolutely great, you know. And so was his brother-in-law. So was Barry Windham, you know. I mean, those guys and Kurt Hennig. I mean, Kurt Hennig was just, you know, just amazing. One of those guys that he knew what you were going to do, I think, before you did. You know, I mean, those guys were just, uh, they, they were just great. You know, Savage was another one that was just tremendous, tremendous, uh, tremendous talent. As far as some favorite moments you had maybe as Tony Klein, do you have some? I know we were talking about working at Square Garden, WrestleMania 10, but do you have some other favorite moments that happened uh, in your career as Doink? Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of favorite moments. I mean, to categorize one as as a favorite, I mean, I don't know if I could tell you that there's one specific one that I really you know, like head and shoulders above them all. I mean, but I 
you know, the match with Lawler, the match with Bam Bam. You know, these were, you know, the uh, Owen Hart one that, uh, you know, he beat me for the to get into the King of the Ring, and then he ultimately won the King of the Ring. You know, I mean, that was uh, that was in the Struthers Fieldhouse in Ohio. I mean, we had a heck of a match. And then I wrestled Bob Backlund on Monday Night Raw for 30 minutes for the half of the show. We wrestled right through the commercials and everything, you know. I mean, and anybody knows Bob Backlund's a pretty good amateur. So just the fact that I could hang in there with him for a half an hour was – I was really impressed with myself that I, I was actually able to hang in with the cat that long, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, quite quite a background uh, for him. Uh, that's for sure. Now, as far as you know, doing to clown the character on the independent scenes, you always see each kind of promotion for years always had their kind of fake doinks. Does that ever bother you? Like, you know, you're you're doing the clown. You know what I mean? Does that ever bother you that they had so many of these promotions try to kind of pass off a fake doink here or there? Well, it it bothered me because I felt as though that the fans that were going there were getting cheated. You know, the fans were anticipating seeing me, and they were paying their money to go into that arena, and then I was not going to be there. And it was to no fault of mine that the fans were actually being duped by unscrupulous promoters and by people that were just looking to, you know, maybe make some extra cash. So that's what bothered me more than anything. Now, do you have any regrets like looking back in the business i'm always curious because some rest just like oh i wish i did that i wish i stayed longer I wish i left earlier do you have any regrets uh, from your time in the wrestling business well i mean n- nothing serious i mean you know things that we would do different if we had a chance to relive our lives yeah but this is not a practice run we only get one try at it so you make the best of it while you're there and make the decisions that you think are right and sure i mean if if there was things you could do over, maybe you would do this, maybe you wouldn't do that, maybe you would say this, you wouldn't say that. You get smarter as you get older, I hope. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have any serious regrets. I really don't. I uh, I lived my life. I enjoyed it. I, I loved every minute of it. And everyone asks me, you know, well, if you had it to do all over again, would you do it again? And I tell them in a minute. Yes, I, that's awesome. I agree with that. You, you gotta, you gotta do it. I mean, uh, the WWF, the WrestleMania, the Royal Rumbles, you definitely, you know, you, you gotta do it again. As far as you know, doing the clown and looking back at it, what do you think? And even you know, Sergeant Kruger and obviously Ray Apollo and all the other kind of characters and, and incarnations of you that you've played. What's kind of like the lasting legacy, or what's kind of you know, even looking at doing the clown? What's like the stamp when people look back at you and look back at your career? What do you think is the legacy you leave behind? Well, I just want the people, and I hope that they do say that every time they paid to see me that I, 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 I wrestled hard, I worked my hardest in that ring, and I didn't cheat anybody. I, I showed up, and I really gave, gave them their, what they paid their money for. I always wanted to be put down as that I was a, a, a good hard worker. And one more time, let me just mention this, of course. Monty and the Pharaoh, it'll be... Saturday, August 29th, they will be alive in studio. There's a limit of only 30 people in the studio audience, but there will be a Q&A, 3.15 to a 4.15 with Monty and the Pharaoh. You can get tickets at montyandthepharaoh.com. Also, check out ESSpromotions.com and check them both out on Facebook because there will be from 5 to 9 a, a virtual photo and autograph session going on on Monty Nefaro's Facebook Live with ESS Promotions. Very kind of cool stuff, and that'll be at 6 p.m. later on uh, in the evening. That is just a cool thing with you and Dink. And don't forget also, at the Wrestling Universe, from 10 to 12, uh, Flushing, New York, there will be a free signing, Doink Dink and Al Snow. So, I mean, you've got quite, like you said, you've got quite a day ahead of you as far as August 29th goes. Yeah, it's almost going to be like the old days where we had two shows and two towns and maybe an airplane in between. <laughs> so awesome. It'll be, exciting. it'll be exciting. Awesome stuff. And August 29th, check it out. Uh, ESS Promotions and, of course, Monty and Faro, Doink and Dink will be back together again. Ray, thank you uh, so much uh, for all the time tonight. I, I appreciate it and have fun. 
you know, reconnecting on the 29th of August. Well, thanks for having me on, and good night to you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading. is in a vile mood. Single leg, takedown. Nice move by Doink the Clown. That's exactly, Gorilla, in my opinion, what he's got to do. Got to hold him down on the canvas. That takes away a lot of his power, a lot of his strength and size. Got that big height advantage as well. He's extra leverage. Got the leg hook and a, also a cross face. And Luna trying to... Get Doink the Clown off her man, and finally she drives those long fingernails right into his eyes. Oof. Man. Oh, that'll give you a negative attitude. Hey, wake up, man! Wake up! Doink is in a dazed state here, even much more so than normal. Hard tap. That's what happens when you run into that brick wall. Are those tattoos or Crayola marks? I think it may be a combination of the two. Oh, there's Dink. Something looked permanent there. Dink with a little poke to the eye himself. Well, Bam Bam won't like that. Nice reversal. Hard elbow by Bigelow. Going for the head by Justice. Nobody under the big top on that occasion. And a beauty. Folks, we've got to take a break. Don't you go away. Boyd and Bam Bam. Hey, you got it? Wait, we'll be back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Jim Ross, Bill Monson, back with you. And the race is on, folks. She'll never catch him. Forget about it, Luna. He's too quick. He doesn't take long strides, but he, he takes... Oh, man. Did you hear the smack of the... His head smacked those steel steps. He's out. He's unconscious. And Little Dink is left all alone with Bam Bam and Luna. And this doesn't look good for the little fella. Caught between the rock and the hard place here. Well, he's making a miss. He got a break there. Dink making a fool out of Bam Bam Bigelow and Luna Bashan. Now still, he's got to be seeing stars. Or, he's just starting to move around a little bit. Or whatever clowns see when they're dazed. I think it's umbrellas. Or pies in the face? I'm not real sure. Now, Luna would love to get her hands on Little Dink, and not for any uh, admirable purposes. She'd like to slap the little fellow around if she could. Slap him silly. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this Tuesday... WWF Magazine goes on sale. The Undertaker on the cover. And on the inside, a very unique article I'm sure you're going to like called Laugh, Clown, Laugh is the joke on Bigelow. Saw Gorilla Tears of a Clown by Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. I remember that. We may see some tears shed here if Bam Bam has his way. Look at the size of those arms wrapped around the uh, upper torso of uh, the Doinkster. That's not where Doink wants to be. Down there on the canvas with the big guy hovering over you. Let's go, go! And having to listen to the uh, melodious tones of Luna. I tried to talk to Luna today. She said she's been too busy to carry on any conversation with the media. She's been following that darn Bobbit trial, you know. Yeah, she resembles that remark. Good strength there by Doink the Clown. Oh, close! I don't understand the cover there, the technique there, Gorilla. He reaches back, but didn't really have enough leverage, I didn't think, anyway. To, uh, to hold Big Bam Bam down. No, he had him right behind the knee there. And oh, good. That's not going to get it done. Good suplex. Now he's got a good lateral press. 
and Bigelow able to get a shoulder up, but that was an excellently executed suplex. Well, we've said it a thousand times, Garcia has excellent wrestling techniques, and he'll need them all right here if he's going to get by this one. Big guy hasn't done what he needs to do yet in this match to get the superior edge. Well, he's got to keep it slowed down. Oh, Luna trips Doink, and Bam Bam quickly capitalizes. That's what he's got to do. Now he's got him slowed down, obviously. He keeps him in this position on the defensive. And with those high-impact maneuvers, Bam Bam Bigelow should be able to put Doink away. Now, why do this? Why go to this high-risk move? You've got the guy in a compromised position. There's no need to take these kind of chances. Wow. Well, that may just have done it. It worked. And here comes Dink. He's like an old net, like a mosquito. Oh, put him up. Oh, put him up there, Bam Bam. <laughs> well, he's not going to intimidate Bam Bam, but uh, he saved the match so far. He's buying some time for Dunk. Certainly is. And here comes Luna. Hey, Ralph, you got too many folks in the ring. Yeah, take a look. Oh, come on. That's what she wanted. All along, whoa! Uh oh, that may be a little low. I'm not sure. Look at Dark. Dark's out, Dink's out, Luna's hurting, and Bam Bam's on the floor. And the referee's counting them. Referee doesn't care how many folks are in the ring. Bam Bam took that header around the old waistline, and maybe, maybe uh, even more south. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. 